Cradeline Network. Conrad, alongside my friend Fox, this is the 244th episode of Space Spinner 2000, a podcast where two Americans try to make sense of the UK's own galaxy's greatest comic, 2000 AD, one month of progs at a time. This episode, we're covering 2000 AD for September and October 1991, prog 748 to 751. Good this Lord. time, we're ending a bunch of threads. Or a, a bunch of thrills and starting a bunch of new ones, in, including uh, Dread beginning the um, uh, the referendum on the judicial system, oh, as yeah. well as uh, Robo Hunter, Stranium Dogs, Universal Soldiers, and ABC Warriors. Can't wait to see this indestructible boy they keep hyping up. It's a very yeah. indestructible boy. Yeah, destruct that boy. You'll find the comics recovered <laughs> today. Destruct this child. <laughs> if you want to read along, we'll f- you'll find what, what we're talking about today in Judge Dredd, The Complete Case, File 16, ABC Warriors, The Mech Files 2, 2000 Ooh. AD Extreme Edition 20, and The Judge Dredd Magazines 295 and 342. <laughs> 342. Got my eye on you. Yeah, that's a pretty recent one, actually. That's, I that's, think. A, that's a sexy little number. It's okay. And that. <laughs> 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 but speaking of sexy numbers, Fox, let's get going Ooh. with Thrill One Judge Dread. Old Judy Dread. That's right. Dame Judy Dread. Ooh. Very respectable. Script robot Garth Ennis and John Wagner. Art robot Dermot Power and Chris Weston and Jeff Anderson. Letter robot, a Tom Frame. My boy. My boy Frame. <laughs> yeah. Judges, uh, Judge Dredd and and Judge Cyril, Cyril's, I guess, Cyril are working security Vegas. at a, yeah, at a, <laughs> at a pop music or a Muzak concert. And they're trying to catch the Muzak killer Marty's Bach. Who's Man. already taken out a bunch of top bands? This really is not looking good for pretty much anybody. Nah. Dread orders the H-Wagons to be scrambled and Riot Foam deployed because they're, the crowd's going to get pretty pissed when they find out that at least half the acts in the charity concert they're in have been killed and, you know, also, like, they aren't going to be performing and that they're dead. You know, that's, that's a tough time. <laughs> Um, meanwhile, Zapak moves around the set of the concert with a bunch of dynamite, listening to uh, Strange by the Doors. Uh, yeah. When you're a stranger, you know, people are strange. When, when you're, you're a stranger. stranger. Yep. Yeah. The Faces bros, come the per- out of the rain <laughs> when you're strange. The hit bros who are the producers and, like, you know, the people that are in charge of all this Muzak stuff complain to Judge Decker about the security level and, like, honestly, the really crappy protection they provided. I mean, what I do like that they that they get they get talked back to. They're like, we don't give a frickin flip that like one one person, a couple people. You know, there's a yeah, there's wanna, a couple million out there that are ready to fight. You know, yeah, they want to end the concert so they don't get, so they don't get killed by this assassin. But Decker's more worried about a the riot that caught ending the concert will cause. 
Still, despite what she says, the hip the hit bros try to stop the concert anyway, but instead run right into Marty. Oh yeah. Not not a good situation for those boys. Nah, he blows them away, and the Decker <laughs> and Marty have a gunfight as his ped man, that's going you know, to walk man, but in the future, mm-hmm. uh, start, instead moves to the end. He's got a whole Doors section of this mixtape, I guess. Uh, Zapak triggers his bomb by shooting it with his pistol, and uh, Decker takes the explosion right in the face. Yeah, not great. As, Poor Deck. As Dread runs to pursue the killer, and explosions rock the stage, silencing the crowd. Rock the stage. Finally, the concert they've been waiting for. Yeah. The judges run to handle various crises, and it seems that Decker's basically okay. As Dredd shows down with Zapak, shooting him right in the shoulder. The killer's at bay, as is the crowd now smothered in riot foam. Marty says he did it to stop the Muzak, and Dredd's like, listen, buddy, like, we're in future capitalism, yeah. okay? Like, if you kill these guys they'll just be a whole another set of producers and disposable pop stars coming up right after yeah what did you think you were gonna do here bud like yeah again like people just don't want to listen to like classical music you know like if someone if someone killed all the stars of today and said i have to listen to some i I could only listen to music from 160 years ago i'm like no way buddy (laughs) i am a tasteway fan and you will not take this from me i gotta listen to my lana del rey and feel sad buddy hell yeah buddy (laughs) <laughs> all right so the now you gotta face your own music friend the Ooh, end <laughs> boom headshot ultra right. kill so next up a uh, killing time artist and friend of the show chris weston takes over on art yeah nice to see you back he last drew dread in Prague 641 so a while um still or a while yet, almost 100 bucks. Mm-hmm. Several posh Brit types arrive at a house and want to bring snobbier sectors. I love how they, they start almost all of their conversations. Mm, 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 come to see the holiday fits too, eh? Mm, one must go through these droll niceties, mustn't one? Mm. Just, I a love, robot, yeah. I love the mmms. Yeah, no, they're rich as shit, buddy. You can afford those. You can afford those extra uh, consonants, you know. Well, when you, yeah, when you're real rich, your mouth kind of fuses together a little bit, and so you kind of gotta hum before you start talking. You gotta work into it. Oh my god! <laughs> Unless you're um, yelling at the staff, obviously. A robot butler shows the guests into a dark room where the home movies begin. The Pottertons, Dudley, Marjorie, and Wobbin are uh. off to Mega City One on holiday. And of course, Wobbin does indeed have this lispy Walter. Walter kind of voice going on. Not liking it. You know. Yeah, it's just it's Walter know. flashbacks. I mean, the kid, whatever. Yeah. They visit the Hall of Justice, recycle the Statue of Liberty, which has lost an arm, sadly, and they get shat on by a mutant seagull. All right. I mean, it was expected. I, I mean, I really feel on. like birds just aim for people anyway. Well, I mean, they got to aim for something, I guess. Yeah, that's fair. It's very fair. Um, yeah. Um, anyway, then they get hit again by a couple of muggers who start attacking them and kick the shit out of them. But before oh, they gosh. can do more than beat up these tourists, Judge Dredd arrives on the scene, shoots Hell them both yeah, in the baby. head, which is pretty crazy. Wobbin's pissed. Yeah, Wobbin's pissed because Dredd's response time uh, is quite slow. And uh, then Dredd 
doesn't like to be videoed, which is a little on the nose for 2020. Um, anyway, wow. especially then when when Wobbin takes a swing at Dwed. The video cuts off and the lights come on as we see that two of the Pottertons are revealed to be heavily bandaged, one unable to speak in like one of those halo things, while oh Wobbin has been given six years in the cubes. Bum, but I'm At bum. least they got it all on video so they can watch it all over again and relive the adventure. I mean, you know, that's one way to kind of like orient your life, I suppose. Goddamn videoing tourists, Fox. I hate them. Yeah. I'm in Los Angeles. I'm trying to, to enjoy the La Brea tar pits and quiet dignity. And then everybody comes <laughs> by with their video cameras capering about, Fox. Listen, no one wants people to disrupt the serenity that is the tar pits. I'm trying to commune with the 80 wolf skulls they pulled out of that thing. Fuck God us. damn. <laughs> There's a big display of all the wolf skulls they pulled out that's of the like, tar pits at the event. That's holy sh- That's a lot of dog fucking skeleton bones. Well, yeah, but they've been there for like, a, it's the pits have been there for like a thousand, for like, you know, a thousand years or thousands What dog years is like, even. oh, good, tar, and then jumps right into that shit? I mean, you know, I feel like if you sort of do it on a year-by-year basis, not a ton of dogs. It's less than one a year, Fox. <laughs> well, the skulls that they were able to extract anyway. Oh, sure, yeah. There might be, yeah, it's like when you when you get one of those boba teas and mm. you just have a lot of – you end up with a lot of tapioca balls on the bottom even if you've already drinking all the tea in there um, in the first place. That's why you got to vacuum up them bobas first, buddy, Both then enjoy skulls. the tea. Okay. Well, Wolf Jeff Skulls, a- yeah. <laughs> Jeff Anderson's on art, and John Wagner takes over on writing. I believe this will be his last time on dre- uh, writing Dread in the Prague until 1994. But he'll be writing Dread in the magazine, and he'll be doing other stuff here in, in the Prague. Mm. A citizen called a Mega City One citizen calls the referendum hotline as we pick this story up from late last year. Basically, Fox. If you are a legal citizen over over the age of 16 and not a prisoner or in a psychiatric institution, you can vote on the referendum for whether judges should stay in power. Yeah, but Conrad, what does that all mean? You um, you vote through a button on the remote control for your TV at a specific time in about three weeks. Like right the now? Citizen- like I could do it, like I could press the button right now. No, dummy. The citizen that's being told all this does not understand what's going on. And this just really seems like a man, like this seems, it's a, it's a noble endeavor, but I feel like the Democrats are underestimating just how dumb mega citizens are as a whole. Oh, I think this is some, this is some, uh, I mean, I would call it foreshadowing if it wasn't clubbing me over the head with it. Mm, I mean, th- there. This I will say. Yeah, listen. Look, I don't want. I don't want to spoil you, buddy, because we're going to get into it. But um, so I'm pretty stoked for this election. Meanwhile, a bunch of construction bots are wrecking up the joint, and Dreads on the case. They're hard to fight, but of course, you know, Dread Fox. He's been fighting construction bots since oh. the Robot War of 2099. Well, I, well, I so mean, he knows and what ones he's doing. that are bigger than this. Like, yeah. there were ones that were destroying, like, entire fucking, like, buildings. Exactly. So, yeah, it's just a matter of, of finding, you know, finding an open spot, getting away from a bunch of citizens, then dropping some Hayek shells on them. Easy peasy, honestly. Yeah. I mean, quite honestly, whoever set that whole thing up was a complete rube. Yeah, probably not used to doing crimes, I suppose. Yeah. Um, <laughs> 
he and another judge check the bots out, but they've had their serial numbers burnt off, hiding the identity of the of the bot owners. Yeah, that's what you do. You burn off. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's like filing number. the serial numbers off. I mean, like, like they said burn like it was soldered or, or yeah. welded off or whatever. But he has the other judge run the uh, run the bots anyway just to figure out some clues. Um, he And then drives off and he says that his death at this moment would be inconvenient, I guess. <laughs> well, Else, he's not wrong. Yeah, yeah <laughs> elsewhere there's, there's a democracy march. And it seems like a bunch of judges as well, including Dredd. And Dredd gets interviewed. He says he expects the vote will go his way with people voting for the judges. Um, and they'll stay in power. You know, in Mega City 1, the alternative would just be mass chaos. Like, one, the transition to democracy or some other sort of representative government. And two, just the level of crime and insanity in this city would not withstand... Um, more traditional a more traditional police force or um like system of justice basically well also like how are you gonna get police you gonna compel people to do it no you gotta pay those bastards yeah, like, I mean, judges don't get to... paid they they are in in a fact compelled in a certain way right yeah i mean they're very much like yeah they they have this this job for life it's more of a caste than a job honestly yeah exactly like so get, it's like being a priest or something like that so you kind of get inducted when you're a kid and then mm-hmm. the, the department pays the rest of your stuff i mean you'd have to you'd have to basically staff up um a civilian police department which in, and again, we've seen how the blocks handle that shit, and so far it's just full yeah. of a bunch of ding dongs and yoo-hoos. So it'd be a bunch of crazy city defenses. Plus, it seems like this would be really easy for organized crime to just staff the police forces themselves. Yep. And like again, like it's not a police. It would. It's not a police force for like even like a city like here in America. You know. Like, no, it's, it's, for like, a, like, it's for a massive metropolis. Mega City One has a population that's larger than the current United States po- population. You know, and it's like condensed into a very sm- like small yeah. area. You know, or, or actually just about the same because it's like mm. three hundred and fifty million. We saw, and so yeah, but then condensed in the in the onto just the East Coast. So mm. it's just that that that's a lot of cops. Is what I'm trying to say. But anyway, that's sort of <laughs> building it out from. That's what a were, lot of cops. Yeah. Um, the reporter gets the title of, of this story by suggesting that Dredd thinks folks will prefer the devil they know. And meanwhile, mustachio Judge Grice just refuses to comment. Okay, Grice. At 22.30, a bunch of judges meet in a shadowy overpass. They say the robots have failed and we don't see all their judges, all their badges, I should say. But Grice is definitely among them. These judges want to kill Dredd. Because the referendum is basically like being held by his fiat. Like Dredd sort of said there should be a referendum. And they're holding it and will honor it because of him, I guess. And sure. So it seems like if they kill Dredd, they can avoid this whole thing. And so there's no choice but to try again. And they sort of like make some plans around that. Although one of the judges is like, hey, man, like I'm, I'm a judge. So even though I basically agree with this cause, I don't really like breaking the law. No. And... Grice just kind of does the moral equivalent of like making chicken noises at him, essentially. Yeah, <laughs> it wasn't that kind of stuff. They, they don't seem all that intelligent. They do know this man has like killed or at least like scared off extra dimensional beings and shit, right? 
Like they <laughs> they clearly know who this person is, and they think that they four can deal with it. Like, yeah. Like, well, I, listen, who are you for? Dreads a judge. They're judges. It's clearly four on one. They're all of equal <sighs> value. Right? I mean, but they're not going after him and shooting him in cold blood. You know, not yet. Mm-hmm. Um, meanwhile, at a new studio. Um, the uh, folks at, in a uh, in a panel show view dreads the devil you know statement from earlier and discuss it with a uh, democracy leader Blondel Dupree who we we've seen a bunch of times before um, and then literally a future facing like YouTube quote unquote skeptic which I think yeah, is yeah. like that's amazing <laughs> they, yeah, there's, they they called the skeptic community real quick here. I feel like there's always been a skeptic community ever since Demosthenes started wandering the streets of of Greece, of Athens, looking for an honest man, buddy. Okay. Fucking philosophy jokes. Um, but uh, yeah, there's uh, there's electoral study group leader Ignance Bernstein, August Windy of the Skeptic, and Bishop Desmond Snodgrass of the Church. The first two are definite are both democracy advocates and incredibly certain that they'll win the bo- the vote. Like to the point that they're more interested in discussing how they'll plan this new government. And yeah, stuff. all right, there. Slow down on that one. You know. Yeah, August is really skeptical about if the vote will be honored if the judges lose and stuff, and the bishops just plain clueless. I gotta say, I really don't like how the future of the city seems to hinge on the will of dread himself i guess yeah it does seem a little bit odd i because i i guess he's just been the face of like okay yeah we'll do this referendum like yeah and i mean i guess he's got a lot of he's got a lot of political capital because he saved the city from necropolis oh well among others yeah but i mean that's the most recent one sure you know and a lot of the other times when he saved the city it's been a little bit out of the way i think because, like, you know, like, he was part of a team in the Apocalypse War, I'd say. And mm. a lot of the other mega epics have sort of happened out of town, basically. Or have probably honestly been hushed up by the Justice Department. Like, they probably haven't let the details of the Judge Cal situation leak out, you know. Oh, yeah. I mean, why would you, right? For instance. Yeah. Um, I also like just the bit, like, after all this discussion, they ask the bishop, where does the church stand? And he just gives oh, the yeah. address of, the, of his church and stuff he, like that. He nyuck, nyuck, nyucks a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. I want to say I I, um, I should I should check this for next time. Mm-hmm. Because I feel like this, this story is probably a reference to some UK referendum. Okay. Like... But I don't know which one. I don't know. I forget if there's be, if there were any like late '90s referendum, or maybe it's just about the general like 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 elections and stuff like that in the UK in that era, you know? Because mm-hmm. a lot of this feels like a big thing about like you know I, I know there's been a lot of things that that are referendums like about like if Scotland should leave the UK or something like that. Oh sure. And you know, and then also of course like 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 Brexit eventually, but that you wouldn't be talking about that. In 1991, everybody <laughs> loves Europe in 1991. <laughs> oh, people! Now, now everyone's angry at me. Anyway, <laughs> um, as the roundtable continues, Dread gets a call and goes to deal with it from Control. But on the way, he uh, also receives a call from the judge he tasked to check out the robots, and he gets starts getting information as he notices sort of hidden around corners and on overpasses a few judges watching him as he as he rides. Son of a bitch. 
There were no serial numbers on the on the bots, but they were able to trace a particular replacement part in one of them. Okay. And this allows them to figure out what's going on with them and identify them. Dredd arrives at an old at an old warehouse and finds blood on the ground, and the whole place is scattered with creepy mannequins. Oh, and right! Stuff. And they're like kind of going through point by point with him, like, "Hey, you know, we're fucking like figuring out it had to come from inside. The call's coming from inside the house, basically. Yeah, ba- yeah. Basically, the robots were stolen four months ago." But they were recovered by the Justice Department three months ago, and since then have been sitting in a Justice Department like a like like pound or you know like um like a yard or whatever. Oh yeah, like a so, impound. Yeah, yeah, an impound lot. That's what I was looking for. And so because of that, it seems like that means that this must have been an inside job. A bunch of justice, a bunch of judges using like cr- cr- um, evidence to take out Dread. And as Dread hears this. He takes an elevator into a basement full of creepy mannequins, and we see a bunch of treacherous judges hiding behind them, lying in wait. Ooh. These judges are gonna try to assassinate Judge Dredd, man. Yeah, what a butt. What a bunch of what a bunch of dingle holes, man. Don't like it. They Next are gonna time. they are gonna be dead. I am oh, yeah. I wouldn't I, I wouldn't sell them too much life insurance, or at least if not life insurance, then Titan insurance, if you know what I'm saying. Nope. Because that's where they because they send crooked judges oh, to Titan. Oh, 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 okay. All right. I'm versed. You see what I mean. I'm versed. Yeah. Next time, executive action. Ooh. Uh, need a little bit less of that where I come from. Yeah, but very excited for this um, oncoming referendum story and stuff. I think this is going to be a very interesting thing in Dredd's world. You know? I mean, I'm like I'm smelling uh, I'm smelling a uh, uh, an epic coming up here, bud. Well, so how do you think? Like, okay, so we're going to have the vote next episode. Just so you know, fine. Well, that's going to kick off a tasty, delicious, stinky boy epic. So who do you? So what do you think the results are going to be? How are you going to bet? In this election oh, betting. All right. So wouldn't be Judge Dredd if there wasn't conflict. Mm. Um, so it can't just be like, well, everything's fine. Um, I do think that um, there is going to there there is at this point so much tension. I mean, this is like these these four dudes who are kind of targeting Dredd sort of showcase. Yeah, sure. There is tension between um, the judges and the people and the people in charge. Right. So I think mm-hmm. the vote is likely to be either very close, like in terms of whatever, but it's going to be democratic, and we're going to have to have ourselves a judge fight. Oh, you think that the the Democrats will win? It leads to kind of a civil war between the judges and stuff. Yeah, why not? Cool. Yeah, that sounds fun. We'll see how it goes. Yeah, I mean, you know, it could also just be like they win. Uh, and then a, a whole bunch of mega citizens get pissed off, and uh, a pineapple explodes somewhere. <laughs> you know, always possible, also for sure. Mm. Cool. Okay. Well, we'll see next time, or I guess in two episodes. Or, or Barney takes feet. over the entirety of the city, which would be funny. Oh yeah, we did get a uh, did get a, uh, a guest appearance. Yeah, from friend of the show Barney, essential research assistant for Conrad in the course of oh my uh, God. working this show and stuff. Invaluable now, any, resource. Any time that there's a spinnies. <laughs> yeah, at a two thousand ad dot org can't uh, plug it enough. Anyway, so perfect. 
Yeah, and uh, on the topic of all-knowing entities, Fox. Oh. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Boobs. Or possibly all-not-knowing entities. Yeah, and boobs. Let's talk Thrill to Revere. Boobie. <laughs> Script so, robot John Smith. There's a lot of boobs in this. Yeah, fair amount. Art robot Simon Harrison, lettering robot Annie Parkhouse. Yeah, behinds as well. I don't want to. I don't want to leave that out. Hey, listen. Every listen. Uh, as I try to remember the fucking stupid joke that my friends used to make. <laughs> Some something something uh, about God uh, making your butt. Anyway, get, hate to. <laughs> I I I hate. I, I hate when she leaves, but I love to see her walk away. It's it's in the same vein, but it's like, uh, oh, man. Okay, here we go. My brain's gone. <laughs> go for it. Last time we saw Witch Boy of London Revere begin a vision quest that culminated in him getting hit by lightning and disappearing. We're now continuing that vision quest because go to hell. We're doing vision quests, buddy. <laughs> Oh, in a stormy, yeah. in a stormy landscape, Revere calls out and is answered by a naked, faceless woman with some kind of crank machine, where the with wheels and symbols and stuff. I I thought at first the symbols might have been zodiac symbols or alchemy things, but they're definitely something. I don't know. Nah, for man, sure. this you know, those weren't in the letter as far as I know. Yeah, yeah but she's yeah, not yeah. in charge here. They are. And we see four figures appear in the sky. They am the Stone Walker, heralds of the fourfold way. And they are definitely interconnected, and some of them are cute. Most of them are not. Yeah. I, I, I tried to look this up to see if there was more information about it. And, like, in 1993, there will be a, a self help book about spirituality and shamanism about the fourfold path. Sure. But I'm not sure what it means in 1991. Uh, book, Kabbalah, you know, yeah, I'm sure it's some Kabbalah stones adjacent. Around. Definitely. In, in, in that self help book, though, the four ways were warrior, teacher, healer, and visionary. Anyway. Yep. They use the, the being, same shit in uh, the hoodoo voodoo that I was I was getting served up also, man. Yeah, yeah. So the beings uh, squabble and explain what they are, and they speak kind of weird. They use a combination of uh, plural pronouns and single verb conjugations, basically. It's probably they, fairly accurate to their existence. Yes, yeah, so they say, like, like, we am and stuff like that, you know. Um Instead of I am or we are. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So they are representations of chaos. They're uncertain, undisciplined, and ungrateful. But this is the end times, so they got to be more clear. It seems Revere has to make a decision, and what that is will change everything. But first, just like, just like Quaid, buddy, he's got to open his mind. Wow, all right there, bud. Revere reflects on the warning and advice he's received so far as the world swirls and we see this massive full page of symbols and numbers and lightning and monsters and all this Simon Harrison stuff blowing your mind. It's real awesome. Whoa. And also like, you know, there's a there's a guy with uh, with math in his eyes or whatever. Keep that in mind. Right. Yeah, like Lucy in the Sky of Diamonds. Yeah. The boy with mathematical eyes. Oh, yeah. I, you know, they really missed the whole math magical thing because math, mm -hmm. ladies and gentlemen, is magic. Boo. He realizes that he's the key to some kind of puzzle and he must die to save the world, would be martyr. To save the world, the, uh, these guys, the uh, what do they call them? The stone walkers say he must jump off the side of this nearby giant chasm. Sounds like a bullshit. Leap of, 
Yeah, a leap of faith to some kind of terrifying world beyond. And then they just start getting full peer pressure. Jump! Jump! They're, well, because now I finally remember it. They're like, oh, don't let the door hit you where the good yeah. Lord split you. <laughs> All right. There we go. Daddy's got yeah. it. So tarot cards and strange winged, winged beings fill the sky as the Stonewalkers tell Revere to jump once more. He's got to do it to be the savior <laughs> of the world. Though, to be honest, Revere isn't... Yeah, he isn't sure he wants the gig, really. I mean, but, but also, like, jumping off the thing and you're listening to, like, we're the people who can't make sentences good and uh, we're interconnected and also telling you to, like, fucking jump. These guys don't sound like they're uh, they're on, on, on Not the know, most trustworthy advice end, yeah. giver, sure. But they also say if he doesn't <sighs> jump, he'll be weighed down by his uh, weaknesses. And on the what, horizon, ladies? we see it. Well, yeah, we see a horde of strange and terrifying figures charging toward Revere, personifications of his weakness, every jealous thought and selfish deed made flesh, including a pretty terrifying lust monster that attacks that lady that was turning the wheel earlier. Oh, man, it's real poopy that she gets schlucked. Yeah. Revere goes to her as the Stonewalkers urge him to leave her alone. Soon the monsters themselves are upon him, dragging him down, and Revere's mind starts to go dark. He feels himself as glass breaking in slow motion. He's going to remake the world, he says. Okay. Good. Later. Yeah, that jackdaw guy from earlier in the story, along with Revere's <laughs> mother's floating head, find him lying naked outside of London. He's been reborn from a new womb with a new purpose. He'll need a crash course in the hermetic arts, to say the very least. I mean, this is a crazy person saying all of that while he talks to his mother's disembodied floating head. So, yes. you know. Quite a situation. Yeah. And in the trees and power lines above them, we see a single raven and zoom in on its glaring eye. Yeah. I mean, you know, real rude of us, to be perfectly yeah. honest. A lot of eyes this episode. The end of Revere Book 1. It's the portal to the soul, buddy. Yeah. And Revere Book 2 will return towards the end of 1992. So about uh, a year from sick. now. Wait, what? 1992? I mean, a of, yeah, a, a year of comics from now, I should say. Yeah, a little bit of gaps between a lot of this I stuff. Don't, I don't like that. I wanted to come back like in six months, I could understand. I get the feeling that it takes a little while for Simon Harrison to do all this stuff. I mean, if it's anything like the oil paints I've been using recently, these things take like fucking weeks to dry, like one page does. <laughs> so you got to do like a couple months of comics. You got to like, like you just need, you don't even, you just need like shelf space around uh. your apartment to like put the art while it dries out. Uh-huh. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, not all of us are just, you know. These uh, these expert fucking dolly motherfuckers out here, Miss. Oh God, my, it just takes so long for my priceless art to dry, Conrad. My first, listen, hey, my my art is not priceless, but it did. But my the first one I did three weeks ago is finally dry enough that I can touch without getting paint all over my hands. So I'm feeling pretty good. Hey man, that's um, delicious paint. Definitely. And <laughs> on the topic of things that are delicious, Fox. <laughs> Let's I set talk. you up for the bomb. That's right. Set spike, buddy. Thrill three, dead meat. Oh, God. <sighs> Script robot Michael Cook, art robot Simon Jacob, letting robot Alita Fell. Last Woo. time, 
We saw Pulse Agent Inspector Ram. He was being pulled into an underwater horse abattoir hidden in the underwater houses of Parliament. Now it's time for a wordless underwater fight. There's spear guns and horse carcasses getting tossed around. It's real good. There are frogmen. 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 One of the horse carcasses is wearing a sweet uh, speaker of the House of Commons wig. Order. Order. Uh, then aboard the ship of uh, uh, aboard the ship, evil Mister Smythefield, um, are or aboard the ship of the evil Smythefield. The cops are getting confused as Smythefield himself sort of comically tiptoes away and has his butler prepare their escape. Back underwater, and we've got these very cool-looking shattered panels. Basically, like they aren't square; Yee. they're in a I bunch. They're like like shattered glass. Um, Ram fights the scuba divers. He grabs the ceremonial mace of the Speaker of the House of Commons. It's and uses it, I that. thought it was like a scepter. Yeah, it's a scepter. It's called a mace. And, and that's it's awesome. These, it's just a giant gold mace to, like, whoop ass. Yeah. It's one of these things where, where like, I don't know if you've, like, you can get in a fight playing D&D about whether a mace is just a stick with, like, a heavy weight on the end or if it's, yeah. like, a, like, a chain with a, deal, with, with a heavy thing on the end. Uh, okay. So, first off, flails are a type of hammer because it, it, it like, it's what you're doing with the object not like what ah, the object a, necessarily looks like. A ball and chain like that isn't a flail. A flail is a third thing, buddy. What? A, what? We get to see. <laughs> see, this is the D and D fight. Let's move on. <laughs> God. I didn't, um, okay. Sm- uh, Ram surfaces as Smithfield and Hudson, the butler, load a speed dinghy and prepare to escape in their dressing gowns. Hudson has packed breakfast. What? No breakfast or no bacon. Ah, please, sir, we've got egg sandwich. Uh, Ram <laughs> rushes up the stairs to the clock face of Big Ben, then jumps straight through it, horns first, flying down towards Smithfield See? as he does. He arrests him for various crimes, including the eggs in the very sandwich he's eating right now. Like, I, uh, this this is a hated comic. Yeah, it's a, people don't like it that much. It is silly. And he, uh, he jumped off of the top of Big Ben and smashed no, out, into their boat. Out the side of Big Ben. Oh, for the God. See, yes, I mean, maybe, that maybe that's why. Maybe it's just, uh, you know, delicate sensibilities. Don't, don't no, crush, no, the, don't crush the my clock, giant watch. The clock face is much better than the top of Big Ben if you're jumping off things. Oh, I'm, yeah. Look, I've seen The Great Mouse Detective. Everything that happens uh, on Big Ben's uh, clock is a much more cool experience than if it wasn't. Yeah. Ramps things up, makes it English, absolutely. Rams things up, if you know what I mean. <laughs> oh, the day is saved and all is well. Ram and his partner, Vera Brett, have a bit of banter. Basically, before it was a butcher's yard, the parliament was full of vegetables. Oh. I think you actually made a very similar joke to this last episode, Fox. Man, as I you don't don't even expect me to remember. So I'll give it to I'll give it to Vera. Yeah. Anyway, that's the end of Dead Meat for now. But it, like Revere, will return in late 1992. Nice. All right. Yeah. I mean, it's okay. I like. Okay. So look. <clears throat> I mean, maybe this it's just sounds a, like I'm. A, I'm not a silly keep... schlock story for sure. Yeah, so this is not me saying that this is a a a fucking groundbreaking fucking thrill or anything. 
Yeah, um, I'm not. I, I'd like. Yeah. I'll, I'll. I'll listen. No, because I'm going to defend my fucking position. If people, please. If people actually don't like this, um, my come at me, bro moment is here, where it's like this is literally silly. And if you're holding on to it because, like, well, it's cause uh, the, the, like the beat, it's very like ham fisted. I'm like, nah, man, like. <laughs> That is clearly yeah. just the scaffolding for them to have a a ram get transported to the bottom of the House of Commons, which is underwater, where they put all of their horse meat and skeletons <laughs> so that he could then run up to the top of Big Ben and jump out of it and ram them these bad guys. Like, it's so stupid. And it knows how, I feel like it knows how stupid it is. They made the man tiptoe away up the stairs while yeah. no one was, like, noticing. That's a real, that's a real tell for sure. Yeah, listen, hey, I, um, you know, send in, send in arguments for why you don't like it, freaks. Like, whatever, I'm happy, or, or sorry, send in arguments for why you don't like it, valued listeners. And I'm happy <laughs> to pass them along to Fox and we can have a discussion about this in the 91 spinnies or something. Listen, I'm, I'm happy I'm, to do I'm it. Very, I'm very interested to see like what it is that, that people don't like. Because I, I'd like, this feels like guaranteed chef's kiss schlock. And yeah. I, like, I, mean, I, I love schlock. I'll, set, I'll mention again, I think I did this last time too, in the horseshoe theory of, I think, especially Fox's enjoyment of things, and mine as well, oh, yeah. I think, is, um, in, in a lot of cases where... Money playing. I've got, yeah, I've got um, a level of things where I like something because it's good and where I like things because it's bad, you know? Yeah. And, like, there's there's crossover there, for sure. I mean, like... <laughs> and hey, watch a man make out with a robot later. Like, you can't tell me that that's good and this is bad. <laughs> I don't think I, I don't think anybody's saying that dead meat is bad and Robo Hunt and the Robo Hunter reboot is good for the record. <laughs> like let's not let's not start like let's making start, falsehoods. Let's start, some start, edge start wars. making claiming falsehoods and innuendos. Well, I here. will be the master edgelord. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so speaking of edgy weird endings, Fox. Oh yeah, here we go. Let's talk Thrill 4, Dow Demoto. Oh, God, just what the fuck? <laughs> Script robot Myra Hancock, art robot Dave Owen, letting robot Annie Parkhouse. Uh, Annie, going. at me. At me, Annie. I need to know. I need to understand. Yeah, are you okay? Yeah, she's a top letterer, buddy. She's busy. Um, things are getting heavy fast in Daudamoto as Lula arrives at a hospital on the wing of some of a hover vehicle, drops a grenade, and she starts shooting her way in. It's a pretty cool way to enter, I'm not going to lie. Top three. On the ground, Sapalco and, and Dow run, arm in, run hand in hand into the hospital. They kiss as they prepare to take the elevator uh, to well, confront Lula. One of them kisses the other. They're kissing. Okay, so now we're on to the final chapter of Daudaboto, and we're going full-sized for it. Time to wrap up this baby stuff. Uh, Lula's here to destroy that alien baby when Dao arrives and drops the truth that Sapalco got her pregnant under false circumstances instead. And so they're just way of the gunning all over the place in terms oh, of like, last-minute revelations <laughs> about... fucking thing baby parentage and stuff i love way of the gun that's a great movie um one of my favorites actually give it a shot it's fun um hmm. 
Lulu, uh, sorry, Lula raises the fair point that Dao hated Sapalco until like five minutes ago, but Dao says that she's changed and realizes things. Lula continues yeah. to make fair points about this whole situation mm-hmm. and it being weird that he lied to you about getting pregnant and this whole, you seem like you're very emotional and you're making weird, uncharacteristic decisions and I'm a little worried about that. But Dao's response is with self-righteousness and anger, so Lula just, just you know, says, okay, fine, live you know, your life. fuck it. It's not my problem anymore, even yeah. though I tried to save you just a moment ago. Yeah, trying to do it. Like, you know, you're acting weird, but I guess I can't stop you, so have this man buns baby I get under false pretenses. <laughs> um, you just fucking layered on top of it exactly what I was like. Why? Why do I feel like he's not trustworthy? You can't trust him with that hair, man. He's got like a, like it's a, it's like a ultra widow's peak and a man bun and big sideburns. I don't yeah, know. It's it's um, a whole thing. He's Vulcan out of control. Yeah. So Palco gets a cab <gasps> for Lula. He's and a Vulcan who to- only drinks uh, like free ranged, organically sourced fucking uh, fair trade coffee, and he grinds it with a hand grinder. That's right. Yeah, and he just had his pond far like at the artificial insemination suite, apparently. <laughs> What the fuck, Conrad? What? You don't know about pond fars, buddy? No. When when Vulcans go into heat, I'm all over that, man. Come oh on. my god! What? Oh my yeah. god! Oh my god! How do you not know this? I, well, Come listen, because I because I, I, Vulcans are boring. Spock got really... all got all horny, and he had to and he beat everybody up on the Enterprise until they went back and found him a lady. I never watched the original. Missing out. Um, anyway, anyway. Okay. Sapalco gets a cab for Lula, takes her to the spaceport. Back in the hospital, Dow sleeps as those goddamn lava alien, lava lamp aliens are still around. Instead, uh. Sapalco's been double lying about the humanness of this baby. It is indeed part of a weird alien scheme. So Duh. whatever. Dow wakes up with a start. She doesn't feel like she's gonna have this baby. Something, Something died. inside her just died. Man. The end of Datamoto. Like forever? Nah, we're gonna have a wrap-up story, but it is a text story in the 1992-2080 yearbook, which, which we'll be talking about next episode, actually. that's a, Actually, this episode was supposed to be episode 245, Fox. Yeah. But... I moved it forward once so that we could finish Dow and the Progs, and then I'd get to the end of the story Conrad, in the I'm, yearbook. You know how I feel about too much text. You're oh yeah, no, to... I'll I'll give you a recap off Mike Fox. Don't worry about it. Yeah, that's fine. I the story's got all these pictures of like a pregnant Dow, and like she's apparently having some relationship difficulties with Sapalco or something. What I don't the know. Fuck. Anyway, this is also the last appearance of writer. Myra Hancock in 2008. Myra, Myra needs to add us. I need to understand, like what, because there is some intention going on here, and it feels yeah. She's she seems like a very interesting writer. She worked with um mm-hmm. with Alan Moore a lot in the early 80s. Like she I can sort of that. illustrated. She sort of had her own kind of comic zine, I guess. And there's a pretty famous story in there. That's just sort of a Alan Moore telling an autobiographical story about a friend who had cancer. Oh, wow. Um, but um, I think she's 
like there's like uh, it's we it's sad because I feel like the main thing that you get when you search for Myra Hancock in Google, like like if you look up like like Myra Hancock 2000 AD, the first result I get is a 2080 forum post asking what happened to Myra Hancock. <laughs> and wow, I think she just kind of like she does so, she did some writing and stuff, but I think otherwise she just kind of uh she kissed lived a private she kissed life. her she, index and middle finger uh, pressed together on her lips just and then put it up Maybe. to the sky and pieced out i know this story wasn't that popular at the time for sure so they didn't really ask her what? back um i'm pretty sort of whole thing yeah i thought this was a pretty interesting story it took a I bad was, turn because it feels like they rushed the end yeah i don't like some of this like relationship stuff at the end it feels like it feels very forced between dow and sapalco and because there isn't something explaining why it was very forced just feels weird yeah. i think generally this story has a lot of big ideas and because it's sort of two pages a week i don't think it has enough space to really express strong all ideas. strong agree because like it, it i'd like i would be fine with that taking up two pages like two pages for like two years and we kind of get to see how that sort of you know unfolds yeah i mean there's a lot of like sort of unexpanded stuff going on in the background of this story that's about like they're sort of in this like puritan society there's a lot of talk about like consent and the rights of individuals and stuff mm-hmm. that were sort of there in the early stories that or the early parts of the, of the thrill that that kind of got dropped yeah there's a lot of of supporting characters we don't really see that much of like you know i feel like there's some like 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 bread like there's money on the table here is what i'm trying to say mm. like like even just like a little side things like the bartender that gave dow that like package of food yeah, that, when they that left just did nothing other than that and he's that a good like, person yeah, it could have been like a twist if she had some important item or there was that like genius kid they met that was just sort of a random genius oh, kid, yeah. I guess. Oh, yeah. That never got explored in any way. Yeah. There's just, like, again, like we sort of finished this juggling act with a bunch of balls in the air that I feel like, you know, there's, again, if you want to come back to this, someone could, I think. Or I don't know. Yeah. It's been 30 years, so maybe not. But, well, you know, I mean, close I think, enough. I think with a, good, with a good hand, and I certainly feel like with a female writer, because there's... There is like, especially through reading it, there there is definitely just these undertones of yeah. I mean, you know, it's a woman writing yeah. about being a woman in a in a weird space time, um, and I think like the the interesting facets of just you know being paid to to get pregnant because you are effectively a superstar. Like is is kind of it is just an interesting thing to kind of explore yeah, within I this think, because she's definitely develop- she's put into like such a backseat role even though she's very clearly recognized everywhere if that makes sense yeah but she's she's very passive throughout the story you're yeah. right um, yeah I mean I think yeah spe- yeah in a in a modern time. I think a sci-fi story that's got elements about, um, you know, increases in surrogacy and other things had definitely, I feel like a writer definitely could do that. And there's just, yeah, again, there's like, I would put, I would say Dow along with of the stories we've read in the history of 2000 AD, like Dan Dare and Mm. Nina Rina are sort of the top three stories. I feel like have money on the table that some writer could come in and just sort of start start you know pick up and expand on hell yeah god damn mean arena 
God, uh, listen, I'll, I'll tell you my, my, my plan for a gritty reboot of Mean Arena off mic because I don't want anybody to steal it, fucks. Yeah, no, um, of course. Keep that shit close to the chest. That's our money, baby. That's our right. money. But, I, I, I classify myself as your agent. Yeah, obviously. Listen, I couldn't do it without you, friend. Like, people would be freaked out by it. Solo Conrad is too much, you know. Solo but Conrad speaking- has great ideas about wrestling and, and conspiracies. Are you kidding? That guy's great. And uh, speaking of people in uncomfortable solo stories, Fox. Oh, God. Thrill 5, Mean Arena. Oh, no, sorry. Jesus Christ. Thrill 5, Harlem Heroes. Do we have to, Dad? Yeah, come on. We're going to get in the car and see your granny. All right. Do we have to? Do we have to read about uh, Slice? Yeah, let's do it. This robot lady, because the Definitely. thing, it, it, let's take all the stakes out of the game. Yeah, stakes for suckers. Script robot Michael Fleischer, art robot Jeff Senior, letting robot Pat Prentice. So, caught in a green force field, Harlem Heroes member Slash is tortured God. by a dude with a metal eye patch. Whatever. Some kind of pain box as his goons look on. Ugh. And I guess they know each other from back in that space prison. From I the never met him. Of the hero's story. No, he was sort of in the background, I guess. Um, anyway, I guess back then a pair of goons tried to make Slash work a double shift in the prison mining operation because of a prison boss named Hammer, but he refused and beat up the goons. So that night, Hammer, who's this eyepatch dude, came to Slice's cell and tried to attack him with some kind of drill thing, but then Slice spit a toothpick into his eye and blinded him in one eyeball. A lot of eyeballs this episode. Now it's revenge time as Slice passes out comes to in the Harlem Heroes arena surrounded by those uh you know robot dummies of the original heroes in the stands oh, god hammer and his goons wait along with slices erstwhile love lorna but then hammer shoots her in the head so this is within the timeline but wait there but there and by the way and i want to just mention this cuz this is important yeah. their skin is white like giant mm. is painted white slim is painted white don't care for it but I think this takes place after the events of the first Harlem Hero story. Yes. I mean, ugh. So, but it's not his real girl girlfriend. It's just a robot model of his Which, girlfriend. Which, like, did we need that part of it? Yeah. Well, you we can't kill her because we got this awesome punchline at the end, buddy. I guess. Slice has, Slice has had enough and prepares to attack Hammer. When he gets hit in the back by an arrow ball, and once more, the robot past heroes come alive to kill their modern gritty counterparts because they're terrible. Nah. Slice has no weapons, but is tricky. He tackles one of the bots into a power station, which kills the lights, and reveals that the robots must be tracking him through some kind of tech gizmo. Searches himself, finds a bug pinned to the inside of his jacket. One of the goons gets the lights working again, but Slice knows what to do. He pulls that tracker thing All right. and just kind of throws it straight down Hammer's mouth. He's violated so many orifices on this dude's head. <laughs> um, now the heroes are trained on Hammer, and they proceed just to rip him limb from limb. Okay. Slice walks away, and a day later, while helping an old lady across the street, he's confronted by the real Lorna. She wants to recap kindle his relationship and he's got a lot of extra baggage and tells her off it's one of these things where like your girlfriend's angry at you for a fight you had in a dream that kind of stuff 
Yeah, oh, such a nice boy, the old lady says. The end. And the Harlem Heroes will return in the spring of 1992. Oh, God. Great. We get more. Is that another solo a, story? Um, no, it, it's it's a full hero story. And it's going to be, it's like four progs or something. It's just a quick dip in. They're okay. going to dip in, then dip out for like. As they realize it was a bad idea. Basically. Yep. Anyway. Didn't like it. Yeah, fair enough. So we finished the, the these stories are basically the ones that were in Prague seven forty eight and seven forty nine Fox mm-hmm. seven fifty. We've got a bit of a changing of the guard. It's another. It's a. It's a jumping on Prague basically. And but to commemorate that, let's talk about some non thrills covers and nerve centers. <laughs> Great. Prague seven forty eight. Face the Muzak. Dermot Love this. Power. Yeah, draws dread bearing down on the Muzak killer. He's like reflected in Marty's glasses. I like yeah. how uh, Dermot how uh, Dermot Power like writes his name in the picture by making it look like they're embossed on the yeah. killer's glasses. I also really like that you can see. I mean, I don't know the name for the skin divots. He really, you really yeah. arted up the skin on this fellow. Got like some pores and stuff going mm-hmm. on. Some like sheen from oil and stuff. It's real good. Yeah, in the nerve center. Tharg announces the end of the Muzak killer story and dead meat, plus the imminent end of everything else in the prog. Hooray. Elsewhere in the nerds in the nerve center, it seems that Chip is back as the PR droid, with sure. some previews for both ABC Warriors and a picture of that sexy Joe Pineapples. Oh, God, Rebel Hunter. He's so hot. Yeah, the input page, there's pictures of an angular Judge Brainbox and a silhouette of Air Judge like Air Jordan. I thought that was pretty good. Yeah, me too. There's both positive and confused letters about killing time, a long letter about the number of teased 2008 thrills that have not seen the light of day, while others are making the pages quite quickly. They do mention Dan Dare in this Hell list. yeah. Uh, they also mention book two of that Judge Anderson story, Engram, which we read earlier in the year. So good. It's so good, yeah. Conrad. It's a good story, but it ends on this crazy cliffhanger of, like, you know, Anderson drooling in a straitjacket in a padded room, you know? Yep. Like, that's the kind of cliffhanger that you need resolution on, you know? And, and, like, and not one where you have to wait a year and a half or whatever. Exactly. And I really feel like they're actually getting a lot of heat about this. Yeah, they because, should be. Because, like... I know from previous recent episodes, there's just been a bunch of times where the whole staff has been interacting with fans at, Mm -hmm. like, the Glasgow Comic Convention and the UK Comics and Art Convention and a few other things. And I feel like they're just getting asked about this Anderson story constantly. Yeah. Because these next couple pages are, or these next, like this, ep- the stuff we see here just has a lot of jokes about it not being out and stuff. It's pretty okay. funny. Um, Tharg says that every the story takes a certain amount of time. You just got to be patient and keep buying the goddamn comic. I like, it's only so much that you can say that before everyone's like, all right, buddy. Like, yeah, I mean, it is crazy just how long some of these things have been have been um, teased. I know I talk about Luke Kirby two a lot, like part two in this. I feel like that's mentioned a ton, mm-hmm. and it's not going to be here until Prague eight hundred. You know, God. like it's still a ways away. 
Crux 749, thrill power overload. Whoa. This dude's about to explode. And he's drawn by Richard Dolan. Despite not featuring any 2000 AD characters, I feel like this cover does get used a lot if you're doing like a cover montage of 2000 AD because it's pretty fun. Whoa. In the nerve center, Tharg is being very brief as the 750 changeover is nigh. Chip starts to tease some of the stories coming after Prague 750, including the continuation of Engram and a few more stories coming in around Prague 760 or so. Mid Prague, there's an ad for Nash. There's a, the first of several ads for National Westminster Bank. Bank trying to get cool kids to open uh, accounts there. Yeah, all right, there, bud. And the Prague ends with a nice color portrait of Slain and then a mm-hmm. patchwork armored Gideon. Like patchwork yeah. Gideon. Letters talk about constables in 1495 England not needing to consult juries when threat when sentencing. So I guess it's like a uh, early uh. case of Judge Dredd. A reader suggests the word the use of the word serpentinous to uh. stories, which is like a it's a skin it's like you've got like a weird skin it's it's a type of like a blistered skin or something like that. Um, sure gross yeah there's there's also some questions about police brutality in mega city one and a civil questions about it well it's so like this the 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 letter is sort of asking for some differentiations about like you know we we've seen stories where there have been judges that have been judged that that have been considered to be too harsh like it calls out uh, crazy barry and little mo or something like that yeah and it's like, you know, are judges empowered to kill people like, you know, you know, to do summary executions, for instance, or like, is there a point where beating someone up goes too far based on the crimes they've committed, etc. I mean, the answer anyway, so far is like you draw a gun, I get to shoot you. Yeah, it's very much like they respond. To, they respond in kind. Um, I, I would say, actually, they respond like way more. I would say, mm-hmm. like, if you pull a knife, you're going to get shot. Like, you know, well, the yeah. judges the judges have knives, but they will not go knife for knife with you. You know, they're, they're more untouchable rules where you put one of theirs. The, if they put one of yours in the hospital, you put two of theirs in the you morgue. You put that, that in that the morgue. Exactly. But listen, the boot knife is um, is a, a situational and uh, plot-driven weapon that yes. uh, ends... Crazy ass conflicts. You don't use the boot knife on just any Joe Schmo. That boot knife, yeah. um, it's a is, spell it, you it, summon. That's why you got to say its name. It's it's, it's like a move it, in a uh, exactly. In it's it's the thy patriot area arrow. You know exactly. Uh, you, you pull it out to you know split Robin's arrow in twain. Whoa, the pro- um, and then uh, a civil servant in the government asks about joining the uh, department of the rum and uncanny. Cool. The Prague, the Prague ends with a full-page bank vault-inspired ad for Prague 750 and includes a mention yeah. of free gifts coming with that issue. Oh, who doesn't like a free gift? Exactly. That's what they're hoping. So Prague 750, we see the ABC Warriors bursting onto the ABC scene in a Warriors. Kevin Walker Absolutely. I think they're actually breaking through that metal door that was there mm-hmm. at the end of Prague 749. Yep. Um... Something that doesn't get mentioned this prog, but I can't help but notice, is that the price of 2000 AD has gone up once more from 45 pence to 50 pence. damn it. I mean, just ask for a pound at this point, you fucking assholes. 
though I think it did stay steady at 45 for all of 1990, as I recall. I believe this price range came at the end of 89. Asking anyway. for more, but not, but not delivering us more Anderson. How dare you? They will. In the nerve center, Tharg <laughs> has a Star Trek-esque opening, and there's just sort of a star profile of Tharg himself with an explanation of the three of a, the free gift, which are some 2000 AD data chips or trading cards. Yep. Um, eight will be coming for free in the Prague, and then an album to keep them all in. And if you want the rest, you've then got to collect tokens that will be printed in the pages of upcoming progs and send all them right. in for five pounds. So it's very much a readership capture kind of thing. Thanks, Box Tops. Well, yeah, it's very much to kind of get you to buy the next three progs, then to buy subsequent progs after that to get people to keep buying this thing. In Thrill Power Overload, they really talk about 750 as being the start of when... They realize that they have to start doing big, basically having big relaunch issues periodically. Like at first, it's it's like at least once a year and then often on like the 25s, basically. Mm. Um, because there's being, there, uh, um, again, this is from, Th- from Thrill Power Overload and I'm sort of uh, paraphrasing, but there's been some changes in the relationships between news agents and distributors, which is sort of like um, now... If there's remaindered copies, it's much easier for distributors to tour for news agents to just send those unsold copies back to the publishers and the publishers have to pay the news agents back for the unsold oh, stock. Basically. Interesting. And so because of that, they're really trying to get people to buy into to, you know, to get people to come in at these big ones at these big, um, you know, and, um, anniversary issues or like uh, round number issues and mm. then they do stuff to kind of keep them coming back so we're going to start seeing like a bunch of these like multi-prog promotions and stuff coming okay. when we get to like 800 850 etc and i should say also like you know sales <laughs> are starting to dip a little bit I it's think the 90s down- man like yeah like at this point like all the things that can distri- that could distract a youth from comics are here. There's cable TV. There's video, video games. games. Girls continue to exist. Um, <laughs> alcohol and cigarettes are readily available. Oh, yeah, All this baby. kind of stuff. Mm. Stuff that when you have glasses. 50 pence, mm. when, when you have a weekly 50 pence burning a hole in your pocket, um, <sighs> take your take your um focus more than um than a comic you know well i mean even back then like getting a a cartridge was effectively the same price as what it is now right gotta save up gotta save up for a cart buddy well i guess like the uk was doing um like a lot more on computers at the time but you know now they're start. i mean they're i feel like at this point they're making the transition to consoles as well like i mean we're going to see a ton of console of console ads in the prog as we sort of go forward here, for instance. Anyway, yeah, so we've also got some previews for upcoming thrills in the prog. Just, again, more stuff to keep you coming back. Anderson, Bix Barton, Durham Red, Skiz, and then a few more sort of mentioned ones we'll get to eventually. Mm-hmm. The input page is a picture of Judge Ram from Dead Meat, like as a judge, and a nice <laughs> color picture of Judge Death. 
The letters complement some recent stories, have extreme praise for killing time, and accuse Tharg of holding, of holding back on thrill power, you thrill miser. Although, for the record, this letter writer did then explode <coughs> from a massive thrill power overload. <laughs> So why you need those thrill suckers in the world, man. They have to they have to reduce the amount of thrills that you're experiencing. I guess so. It also seems that they've run out of 2080 mugs, so letter writers will now receive a sweet 2000 AD cap. Uh, and this, yeah, you can drink your tea out of it. It can no, be a, a boat or a hat a, or a tea. Yeah, cup. It's, a, it's specifically a cap. It's like a baseball cap now. It used to be a mug. I mean, listen, if it can't hold at least some amount of tea. Is it truly something you want on your head? Hmm. I feel like there's better hats for tea carrying than a baseball cap. Fox. Ooh, like a stovepipe hat, or one of those bobby helmets. Ooh, you know? yeah. Hey, because they're so anyway. ovular. Yeah, they got kind of a rounded bottom, and they don't have a lot of holes in them, as my mm-hmm. understanding. Oh, it could be so like a this, thermos, also, you know. Yeah. So this issue has uh, has data chips for Sam Slade, Skiz, Judge Dredd, and Joe Pineapples. I think I sent you an image of at least the front. Yep. of those ones as well, Fox. They're fine. And I believe they have, they have data on the back, but I don't have those backs. No, would love. I would love to see if someone could could send me a picture of a full of a complete set of these data chips. That seems fun. Um, Prox seven fifty one. Our scans have it first, so I'll mention so I don't forget that we have more data chips than this one. This time, there's Tharg, Mean Machine, Torquemada, and Chief Chief Judge Magruder on the cover. Brett Ewins has a uh, tells us that universal soldier is back any objections yeah i got a few yeah. anyhow in the nerve center thug mentions that next week there'll be a sweet storage dealy for the data chips nice then chip himself provides some background on the current thrills basically sort of says like hey like some of these thrills are things that are continuing from previous stories so here's the prog numbers for those previous stories it's my job. He also uh, uh, Chip also plugs the new magazine issue thirteen mid prog. There's an ad for Paintball Club Electroworks and a bunch of uh, Dark Horse Alien comics, like the movie. Um, and there's a mail order coupon for a ton of 1992 calendars, T-shirts, and posters featuring some extremely 1991 shit. Fox, it's excellent. Hell Give yeah. me. All these new, all this new kids on the block merchandise ASAP. I want the puzzle. I want the mug. I want the doormat. Oh, and the and a poster for both all the new kids and three individual new kids, which I guess are the hot ones. I want all this stuff, Fox. (laughs) (laughs) I'm Um, not. I'm not the biggest uh, new kids on the block fan. I guess. Gotta 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 go back in time and figure it out. Get your get your life sorted out, Fox. Any of these new kids. <laughs> Later, there's a big ad for Judgment on Gotham with a bat and an eagle flying into battle with Judge Death in the background. Talk about that real soon. The input page has pictures of Judge Silver Weir from the Harlem Heroes and a ten pound note from Mega City One with Dread on it. Letters compliment Simon Colby, ask what kind of ice cream the Iscariot was emperor of, compliment more killing time again, ask for more female characters in 2000 AD, and request mm. a return to black and white, which we'll be doing pretty soon when Engram comes back and then <sighs> Brigand Doom uh, next year. Oh, man. Um, I should I, say I'm actually, okay with Brigand Doom uh, being, uh, Doom being a, 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 a black and white so yeah, like I think Anderson it's... Anderson would benefit from so much color because her beautiful blonde hair. 
I mean, while Anderson is beautiful, I also feel like that uh, David Roach's art is really great in black mm. and white. It's amazing yeah, black contrasts. and white art. Um, um, and also, uh, another writer notices there's just a bunch of artists named Simon in 2000 AD. And I must agree. We had a recent prog that had three Simons in it. It's ridiculous. No, no offense to Simons, but that's too many Simons. <laughs> it's too many Simons. That's right. Pressing all these colored buttons. <laughs> And on the topic of Angry Robots, Fox. <sighs> oh. Let's talk. Thrill 6, Robo Hunter. Hey, man. Let's uh, hey, ha- let's get this close up on Elvis, baby. Always. Script robot Mark Miller, art robot Anthony Williams, letting robot Glib. Ooh. Robo Hunter reboot is back with a new artist. Uh, helicopter flies through the night sky over Mount Rushmore, where the face of Elvis has been carved into um, next to the classic four. Real classic, boys. He Sorry. was uh, king. Sorry. Now he's a president. That's a real classic, boys. Real classic. Um, mm. A bunch of suits uh-huh. talk to President Elvis when suddenly the chopper's engine goes down there and they're crashing. Elvis We're tells the crew die. not to worry. He's died before. It ain't that bad, man. <laughs> I mean, I feel like a like an abduction joke would have been a little better placed, but yeah, you know. <laughs> he sings Let Me Be Your Teddy Bear as the chopper crashes right into Bisley Land. Ah, does and not, let me let does me not. say one let me say one thing, Fox. I'll allow it. Bisley Land's supposed to be Disneyland, but mm. the idea of having a major um, theme park attraction adjacent to Mount Rushmore in South Dakota is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Uh, well, who, no would one, who would go? There's no one there. <laughs> and it's just under 20 feet of snow every winter. You know, come on, guys. Yeah. Anyway, anyway, at the classy Shea Nigel restaurant. I mean, really Robo- looking classy. What with all of like the derelicts absolutely. outside and all. The fucking, like, well, that's paper. just the city, man. You can't fix that. Um, Robo Hunter Sam Slate is having a fancy dinner with his Robo Meter cutie. Oh man, they're drawing stares from all over because that is weird as heck. It's like when some dude on Reddit to- shows you how he went to a fancy dinner with his My Little Pony plushie. Oh, it's weird. That's a. Is that a real thing? Yes. Oh, I mean, I at can't... least he's got his his deal, but like, nope. yeah, Not I wouldn't. Great. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't do that though. Yep, no way. Um, anyway, uh, they they leave the restaurant, and catch a cab, and inside the cab, Sam reveals a ring and proposes marriage, <laughs> and puts it right on her dungus, on her uh, ding dong, on her. Uh, well, the... she's yeah, she's kind of diamond shaped, and so he puts it on like the bottom point of that diamond. I mean, basically. you do realize that if you lop off the head but keep the tits, it's just a dick and balls, right? Yeah, listen, I'm sure their love life is many and varied, Fox. Like, I, no, I'm just saying, like, he's putting it on her danger. That's all. I mean, or, like, sort of, it's like a belt, maybe? Something Ooh, like that. See, like, if, if, if instead of a ring, he bought her, like, a cute belt, or, like, a. The ring, again, functions as it's sort of on a lower torso. Yeah, anyway, true. meanwhile, Rad Elvis is buckle. running. F- yeah, totally, man. Giant diamond belt buckle. That's Fuck. that solid championship belt, buddy. Oh, man. Elvis is running from the crash site. He doesn't know where he is until he sees the oncoming heavily armed cartoon mascot. And then he realizes it all too well. Uh, Mickey Mouse, Daffy Duck, and Murder the Dog. And also Bomb the Bear, Count Chocula, Bunnyman, and a different bear. Totally. All 
I'll come to kill him. I got to say, um, and I might mention this as we go on, but I am bummed that they're calling it Bisley Land. And like, Simon it just Bisley seems is like just they're not calling in this. It, yeah, they're calling it like, like it's just Disneyland with a slightly different name. I wish there were, or I'm, I'm on the lookout for any possible Simon Bisley related jokes in the course of this, but I don't know if they're going to be coming, which is sad. I, it would have been nice to see Simon Bisley connected to this in some way. Yeah, like if they had like a crazy painted one of these guys or something like that, you know. Anyway, at the White House, a heavily armed Ollie North, complete with American flag coat and stuff, stands out front. As Elvis does a press conference while handing out merch to all of the reporters. Yeah, and which is pretty rad. They're like, man, I love these press conferences. It's a great press conference, yeah. President's looking a little, you know, he's looking a little chunky monkey. He's looking a little bit, you know, fried bananas and peanut butter. Anyway, Kevin Hitler of Nazism today has a question. <laughs> you know, as on the nose as that is, I think the response is so much more on the nose. Mr. President, is it true that you've actually gone, that the real president's gone missing and you're just a fat Elvis impersonator that's taken his place so that you can just stand for election in a month? Whip out your machine pistols immediately and bracka-bracka that boy. Four Secret Service agents just blow him away to kill him completely. I love also that it's like, not only will we, like, deal with this implication with deadly reprisals, but also, like, hey, you don't, like, believe the same things Nazis do, do you? Yeah. There's a lot of political maneuvering going on here. And also, what's baffling to me here is, like, so I I get the yuck. The undercurrent, however, at least for me, the thing that struck to me is like, so the Nazi guy figured it out. Well, I think that like, no, what what, what I'm saying is that it's a psyop, buddy, that the Nazi guy (gasps) was a plant. Oh, my God. It's a false flag. Yeah, they kill him for asking the questions, but it also um, impugns anybody who dares ask the question later. Are you a Nazi, bro? Yeah, because they've linked the implication that the president is a body double with being a Nazi. Oh, man. That used to mean something bad. (laughs) I mean, I feel like it still does. It's I I definitely still hold out hope. (laughs) Anyway... Elvis, of course, denies these these allegations. I mean, you know, he's Elvis. (laughs) Yeah. It's not going to be allegated on all over. Absolutely not. Definitely. Yeah, he fought the Nazis, but dude, come on. Meanwhile, Sam is at his mom's house talking about his engagement as Hoagie sort of just walks around the background. Cutie is trying to use a bunch (laughs) of just household mechanical items to form a more humanoid body for the wedding. Really not working out. Not working great. Miss Slate is skeptical about the whole situation, but Sam knows she. D- but Sam just knows she doesn't want to be happy. Yeah, <laughs> there's. I, a I don't at- know, man. This all this whole thing feels a little weird. But I mean, if she gets a if she gets a more hot robo body, which I guess is uh, likely at this point after this, certainly possible. Um, there's a ring at the door, and Hoagie goes to get it as Cutie crafts a body that's way more battle mech than sa- than sexy babe. <laughs> I mean, still hot. I yeah, am out. Totally. Hoagie opens the door. It's a bunch of, it's a pair of dudes in suits with machine guns. Oh, uh, God. They, they open fire on everybody. Yeah, they blow away Hoagie and go after Sam. Cutie tries to defend her man, but gets gunned down instead. And then so does Sam. 
Ah, Mama Slade cradles say? him. Mama Slade don't need me. Well, well, I know she did. Mama Slade cradles Sam in her arms. You've killed my son. I mean, that was fast. I guess the end of Robo Hunter. No, um, Robo Hunter, come back next time. Champion, the Wonder Horse. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why that got me. Conrad, will you please call me from now on Champion the Wonder Horse? Absolutely, CH. C- absolutely, CWH. Let's move on. Oh, my God. That's so. <laughs> like, next episode. Yeah, it's Champion the Wonder Horse. Why not? I'll do why... it for at least one. Oh, God. <laughs> anyway, oh. since we're talking about strange life forms killing people, Fox. Oh, uh, yeah. Hey, welcome back, skateboard kid. Yeah, we can continue on with Thrill 7 Strontium Dogs. Oh, man, Script remember about Garth Ennis, art robot Steve Pugh, and everybody Lita Fell. Sorry, go ahead. Remember uh, when Nosferatu was a character in a, in a comic that we read? Yeah, happened a bunch of times. I mean, that was in yeah. uh, Judge Dredd and stuff. Strontium dogs are back, Fox. Note the plural. Um, Not Johnny Alpha. That dude's dead. This one's written by uh, Dread Scribe Garth Ennis with art by newcomer Steve Pugh. Um, He's previously worked in Crisis, the uh, the, the sort of sister comic to 2000 AD. And that leads us to a problem, as it seems that he was halfway through the art for this story called Monsters when he learned that 2000 AD has different dimensions uh, uh, page dimensions of the ones in crisis. Because of this, each page has the letters SD going down the side border just to sort of provide a letterbox, essentially. Let's <laughs> just to let you remember that we're uh, we're in Strontium Dog Super Dog Super Dog Super Dog. Yeah. Anyway, thanks to Stevie Book and R. Willie Russell, the 2080 Megaverse helped me figure out this information. Yeah, that's that's nuts. I remember you. Uh, I remember you dropping that on me the other day, and I was just like, "Oh, yeah." If no one told him, you know. Yeah, it's a funny thing. I mean, I, I I'd imagine if you're an artist, you would assume that each publisher would have the same dimensions for pretty much all their comics. It's usually yeah. how it is. Um, also, a friend of the show, Julius Howe, suggested that maybe the story might have originally been for Crisis as like a spinoff to maybe oh, like interesting. do some extra stuff in there. I'm a little skeptical about that, but hey, let's find out. Um, interested here either way. Anyway, Fox, Ugh. a bunch of, sh- of soldiers with machine guns and heavy armor kick in the door of a house full of mutants and start tossing the place looking for members of the Mutant Liberation Front. From the roof... And a skylight in there, a figure with long clawed fingers looked on. It's that badass Feral. Oh, I'm Feral. Watch out for me. I'm going to slice you up. Inside the house, the lights go off and the soldiers get antsy. One accidentally shoots another. But then in the half light, Feral arrives and just starts killing all these dudes. Yeah. All right. I mean, he does murder a bunch of people who... Honestly, yeah. I don't like. I don't. I don't like any of these people because they're being no. real mean to muties. I like yeah, my muties. Like um, later, we see the soldiers picking up the bodies. It must be a mutants. What well, the claw marks and everything? But, <laughs> what with these claw marks and such? Yeah, but it's probably not a member of the MLF because the wounds aren't sloppy enough. Okay, no need to fucking be rude about it. That's okay. At the command bunker, a colonel wonders aloud if it's a strontium dog, perhaps. 
In the rooftops, Pharaoh looks at his blood-stained hands and thinks about the past. It seems it's actually been several years since Johnny Alpha died, and the Strontium dogs have been scattered to the galaxy. Now all Pharaoh has is Johnny's badge, which he pins on his lapel, but not much else in the world. Like all the mutants, he's been treated like a dog, like a monster. And that's Ooh. the name of the story. Yeah, we'll be a big old monster. That's right. So, a soldier announces curfew as Pharaoh continues to reflect on the past and mm. hops around the rooftops preparing to kill these soldiers, basically. I mean, gotta kill these soldiers, bud. Yeah, they talk about the squad that was killed earlier and how it'd be cool if it was a strontium dog on the loose because if they killed that guy, there's a pretty big bounty on the heads of all the strontium dogs. Pharaoh thinks back basically to the events of the last strontium dog story, how the dog house and the new church uh, crashed into each other and were both destroyed at once. But because of that, it did lead, sadly, to a renewed wave of anti-mutant oppression, including the exiling of all mutants from England. God, I at the don't same want time, to think about yeah, it. At the same time, most of the strontium dogs and um, of, of the surviving strontium dogs and Milton Keynes rebels were rounded up and shot, and the rest sort of again fled across the galaxy. Right now, Farrell is on Parnell's world, a mining town owned or a mining world owned by Britain, worked by mutant slaves. Right. We've been here before. Yeah. Farrell. Have you been to Parnell's world? I I feel like it. I feel like we definitely. Isn't that the one where. um, I'll I'll double check for next time. Yeah. yeah, Because I I, I feel like I had heard this before Parnell's world, but that that could Could just be my. There's a lot of these worlds that are someone else's things and stuff like that. Um. Farrell seems ready to die. He just wants to do some damage when he does. Good. And we see the soldiers start to hassle an older mutant about being out after curfew. He's just when, trying to smoke his weird pipe. Yeah. When a bestial Farrell leaps from the rooftops, he gets among the soldiers, starts taking them out. But sadly, he has brought a whole bunch of knives to a gunfight and gets shot in the gut. Ooh. What you he say? lies on the yeah he li- exactly he lies on the street bleeding out and I should say there's a lot of sh- of close-ups on Farrell's eyes in the course of both of, of both ep- episodes of this story yeah. a lot of eyes in this one um that's sort of why this I mentioned a, it this this episode is brought to you by eyes you need them to see absolutely yeah both the letter and the uh, combination of letters um Farrell's dying and the soldiers prepare to just cap off their injured comrades as well so they'll each get a larger share of the bounty as they wait for Farrell to finally pass away next time on Stronium Dogs Lady Luck okay something tells me Farrell's not dead yeah probably gonna make it for at least a little bit I think well at least a couple of episodes <laughs> I'm interested in this. I like this sort of like more introspective, less trying to be cool Pharaoh, I guess. Uh, I'm just, um, I, as long as he doesn't bring out the skateboard and start slashing throats while he's like doing sick ollies, I'm pretty okay with that. That's um, fair. You know, I, I guess it's just, you know, I, so I, I, I tentatively agree because I feel like. Um, yeah, I'm not. I'm not saying it's great. I'm saying let's give it a shot. Well, you know, that, like enjoying something doesn't have to be universal. <laughs> Thrill eight, universal soldier. I love you, buddy. <laughs> no, listen. I feel like it was so perfect. I didn't need to add anything to it. It was like a, a precise, you know. <coughs> Excuse me. All right, script A for universal soldier or script robot for universal soldier, Fox. 
Alan McKenzie, art robot Brett Ewins and Zach Sandler, letting robot Steve Potter. Universal so I, Soldier is back. I am I, so I'm going to let you kind of roll through this. I just want to make very clear mention: his junk is completely covered in fire in yeah. in, the, in the second page of this multiple times. Definitely. So yeah. So Universal Soldier's back. Hooray! <coughs> um, I am excited though, just for Brett Ewins to be back in the prog doing yes. art. Definitely, I yes, love yes, his yes. art, and he's a great classic 2000 AD artist. The last time we saw him was in that charity Bad Company uh, uh, comic back in Prog 601. So 150 or so progs later, Fucking we got him back. Fuck. I appreciate that. I mean, he does draw a really great man on fire holding two other Absolutely. men by their throats that are now also on fire while getting yeah, shot at. So Puts Denzel Washington to shame, buddy. Hell yeah. So Suck, suck on that start, one, man on fire. Yeah. We start with the Universal Corporation report of attempts to um, capture, to, to track and kill somebody. First, they firebombed several hectares of a forest planet, but he survived the napalm attack, and we see him just whipping the faces off of soldiers while he's still fully on fire. Later, he was traced to an apartment on Heinlein's world, which I like because, you know, that's the author of, like, Stranger in a Strange Land and Starship Troopers and a bunch of other stuff. And they blew that place up, but he still popped out of the wreckage perfectly fine. Oh, he's very platoon in that shot. Yeah. Later on Amon's Amon's world, they blew up a spaceship that he was in, and he survived that too. I, you can't kill him. He's unkillable. We need to go and find the guy who pretends that he's living in a historical situation when he fights people. Yeah. Yeah, listen. One way that's, or another, fight. That's the guy who will fix it, right? <laughs> of course, yeah. There's an indestructible man out there, and there's only one dude bad enough to take him down, the Universal Soldier, Max Brewster. Also known as the guy who pretends he's a samurai most of the time. Yeah, we need a Universal Cop for Universal City, buddy. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> hey, that's near me, actually. But anyway, Herefordshire, 2075, Fox. Oh. I was just chilling there in Assassin's Creed Valhalla, but now it's a swampy jungle at Universal Soldier Max Brewster's wading through it, hip deep in the muck. Once watch more, out, he's watch working, out for leeches, because those will latch right onto your nethers, and you got to pull and, that shit off. Yeah, and frogmen. He's working oh, for the Universal yeah. Soldier, for the Universal Corporation, but suddenly dudes in scuba gear rise from the muck and attack him. With, like, electro rods, I guess? I mean... I don't know. They're, they're like, um, laser truncheons. Yeah, yeah, laser sticks. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Max fights back, and as he does, he, sl he time slips into the body of Hideyoshi-san. the time slip. Yeah, a samurai-type dude who fought a bunch of ninjas and kicked their asses. And so sure. he sort of re reenacts that historical fight to win this fight elsewhere in the past at a fancy dinner we see brewster getting the pitch for this mission there's a very hard to kill man they need found you'll get a hundred shares of a hundred thousand shares of company stock if you kill him fifty thousand more if you bring him in alive the man in question is a dude with longish blonde hair and brewster arrives at a local village with this mix of humans and aliens or mutants or something He's T-1000-ing everybody about this dude, but no one seems to know him. And when questioned, he offers to pay for a room for the night, but they don't want money. So instead, he offers to tell 
them a story. And guess Great. what? He's going to do some pretend and pretend that he's some kind of musician. And then in his mind, he's going to do that. But to everybody else, like, they'll have heard him trying to pretend to be this thing and just, like, humor him with some applause. And like, oh, yeah, man. Like, thanks. I mean, he's he's actually going to do an info dump for the exposition of this story and oh. what his indestructible man's deal is. God damn it. But I do imagine him pulling a three CPO, like, E, Chuta, Nooch, Vader. <laughs> like, uh... Like in Jedi, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, exactly. When he's telling the story to the, all the Ewoks. Yeah. Next time on Universal Soldier, The Warrior's Tale. Oh, my God. All right. And, uh, you know, if you want to talk about the tale of some different warriors, Fox. Man, there's only uh, a handful of warriors that I ever want to talk about. And uh, that I need you to convince me that this is not going to... Man, it's a weird one. It's a weird, weird Mm. one. Thrill 9, ABC Warriors. I feel like I feel like just saying that like you're in for chaos and then just doing whatever the fuck you want is a real easy scapegoat to just be like, I'm a sociopath. (laughs) I mean, yeah, listen, I'm not going to lie that I feel like there are times where deadlock is just kind of a kid at the mall pushing over, pushing over sunglasses, sunglass spinners and just being like, chaos. Yeah, like that. It, and it feels a lot like that in this. And it's like, listen, but like, yeah, but, you know, some, you know, it's not really a doctrine if you just you're just killing people. You right. Know? Well, and he's <laughs> obviously got these robots to follow him to these places. And I get that there's, you know, there's a story that's kind of unfolding in front of us here. But like Deathlock well, is, is literally the weakest one where he used to be the most awesome one. No way, Deadlock's would, like, the strongest one. He's got a magic powers and a badass well, I, I sword. Meant, I meant weakest in terms of just characterization for me because mm. it's like he used to I think, like he used to have like this giant sword satellite that he would hang out with other fucking crazy yeah. ass robots on do some tarot and be like i've got some mysticism to fucking dispense right now now he's just like i don't give a shit we're gonna murder this guy why did you do that because it's i'm chaotic whoa i don't know it's, it's it, it doesn't feel grounded it's okay. Script robot Pat Mills and Tony Skinner. Art robot Kev Walker. Letting robot Steve Potter. ABC Warriors are back. ABC Warriors. Bam, 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 bam. I mean, ABC I'm happy. Listen, I, I may have bitched before. I'm very happy about this. Also, Joe Pineapples has a fucking banging booty. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, listen, you know, Space Spinner 2000, where we're very complimentary of dead meat and very have a lot of uh, nitpicks about ABC Warriors. That's our move. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's oh. definitely. I, listen, all I'm saying is that, you know, it would hurt. But Joe Pineapples, you can take me any time of the week. Whoa. <laughs> it wouldn't have to hurt. You know, you could have a t- an, I, an attachment I, or that's something. Not, that's not what I said. Now, is it, Conrad? Okay, so we open <laughs> on a letter from Deadlock about his attempts to turn the other ABC warriors into Disciples of Chaos, with a K, as they arrive at the planet Hikate, also with a K, planet of the Nightmares, on the tomb ship of the Emperor Zalin, which we saw them steal at the end of Black Hole, the last big ABC warrior yeah, story. it's a sweet-ass ship. Gonna yeah. go fast. Hammer, 
Yeah, Hammerstein wonders why they're there. After all their plans to mess with the Empire, they're barely even in the Empire anymore. This place looks normal until Hammerstein looks oh, down the and sees guys, yeah. yeah, this weird little hobbit person lying on the ground. Deadlock explains that they're Freud's. And they're these creatures. <sighs> when they're awake, they lie on the ground completely inert. And when they sleep, they act out dreams of violence and passion. And to also have these weird things about, like, maybe they want to have sex with their mom because they're actually their dad. Just a cigar, buddy. This one, <laughs> Sigmo, says he likes his life, though it does confuse Hammerstein. And suddenly a car with a cow catcher rolls right through and runs over Sigmo, just turned him into a, into a bloodstain. Seems like a real dick move, to be perfectly honest, when something cannot move. I mean, I guess they're super violent, though, when they, I when they dream. Yeah, but listen, yes, yes. Um, 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 finding intelligent beings and purposefully running them down with your death cars? Definition of a dick move, for I, sure. They, they do that, I mean, I guess the toads themselves aren't, like, hyper-intelligent or anything, but uh, in Australia, man, like, there are people who are, there because there's this invasive toad species that has been yeah. wreaking havoc. They, anywhere that they see them on the roads, they just drive over them because they're like, yeah, they're killing a bunch of fucking indigenous species. Yeah. And I'm like, well, yeah. listen, that's one. Th I'm saying that there's a difference between that and a species and it's, uh, things on the road that can talk and reason. So know? that's exactly what I mean. It's just like, I, I, I like immediately no sympathy for these people. But then as soon as we start gutting him, I'm like, well, but why this? Uh, <laughs> He's dead a few already. <laughs> A few more cars come to run over the Freuds. Cop that, Frodo! When that, that one of funny. them that was actually yeah. funny. And one of them crashes right into Mongrel of the Warriors. Bad this move. is a mistake. Yeah. As smushing time begins again. Joe Pineapples takes out the other car with an expertly placed shot to its fuel tank. And that's well enough because Deadlock needs one of these jerks for a blood sacrifice to celebrate Planetfall. Hey, sure, why he, not? Yeah, he calls out to Hikate, Mother of Chaos, to make these robots heartless, free from sanity, morality, and so and self-discipline. So won't it be? Simple and clean is the way that you're making me feel tonight. See, because usually with spells they say so won't it be, but this time it's so won't it be because they're all contrary because it's chaos. Um, well, and also he's just... making heartless, so should I just call him like... Uh... Uh, uh, what is his name? Am Am Amber Griss. Nah, who are those it's who are the those one jerks in Kingdom Hearts. Yeah, it's know. it's the it's the doctor one, the one who's the bad. I don't know enough about Kingdom Hearts to continue your reference. I'm sorry. I don't know anything about it other than the song because my yeah my played that a lot. <laughs> anyway, anyway. The robots are, are skeptical of all this except for Mechquake, who's decided that he is also a dark sorcerer the way Deadlock is, which is pretty funny. I mean, to be perfectly honest, Mechquake is definitely that because he said he is, and I love Mechquake, and Mechquake is my favorite. Yeah, he's like, e us evil sorcerers have many rituals we must do. Um, Hammerstein asks if all this is necessary. It is absolutely not, and that's the chaos way, buddy. Beautiful. So at the Piston Broke Bar, Fox, Hammerstein's taken applications for the local war droids to become <laughs> the seventh member of the ABC Warriors. They're missing one because Hammerstein's girlfriend, Terry, was killed in the end of the last story. And we need seven. Yeah, I remember. Yeah. 
There's a dude with a chainsaw on his chest. A big red <laughs> dude that's just sort of oh, a yeah. giant cannon. He's yeah, like, lock so load. Yeah, I can disguise myself as a steam pipe if necessary for mm. infiltration missions. Oh my god. Um, Rojas calls them all battle toasters and psycho vacuum cleaners, which is pretty funny. Um, the alien host of the bar asks if everything is okay, then pukes right into Hammerstein's face. Yeah. Because that is a compliment for these people, because they eat with their butts and then oh. puke it all out, I guess. <laughs> and because they eat with their butts, eating is gross to them, while um, excretion is a sign of respect and affection. I mean, but isn't that all of the stuff that you can't keep and also full of bacteria and you're just excreting that onto everybody? I guess everyone's probably yeah. got some pretty one, strong immune systems at this point. Yeah, but listen, you know, one comes out of your face and the other comes out of your butt, so it's sort of a whole thing, you know. I, yeah. Yep. <laughs> And what does Hammerstein care if it's not hygienic, buddy? He's protected. The B in ABC stands for bacterial. Yeah, Yeah. come on. He's fine. That's also atomic and chemical, I should mention, for ABC. Um, This planet's weird. Black Blood's loving it, of course. We see a bunch of sleeping... Yeah, we see a bunch of sleeping Freuds murder each other as a sexy Amazon Amazonian robot like oh, hostess God, serves drinks to everybody. So muscular. Definitely. Like in yeah. terms of plating anyway. She is just like a ripped bot. She's yeah, yeah, no. she didn't skip leg day. She didn't stick skip stomach day. She didn't skip fucking wrist day. You know, like, she is just, like, God, she's stacked. Definitely. Yeah, so, okay, anyway, here we go, Fox. Sexy oh. sexy robot waitress here. She's um, great. I love her. Yeah. And I love I love the Brent five-star uh, crude. Uh, it's... Yeah. It, it's Passing oil. It it's yeah, oil. It's crude oil. It's great. I mean, just like in Futurama, that's what robots drink, you know? I mean, that and they smoke cigars. Yes. In line for the tryouts, there's some jostling... As various war droids recognize each other from previous campaigns and old amenities reawaken, the waitress tries to calm things down. Do not fuck bots, with her. Do not yeah, fuck one with the, her. One of the bots gets fresh and tries to kiss her. And so she reveals that she's the bouncer as well as the hostess. She's got bouncer programming. And her face panels split open to reveal that she's got a face gun, Fox. And oh. just blows this fucker away with it. It's so it's so cool. She's my favorite new character that is going to be like, I don't know. I guess Hammerstein's new crush. He's the one that's got to have Lady. Yeah, she, she she blows one bot away as Deadlock also arrives at the bar. No need for Hammerstein's interviews and tryouts. He's found the seventh member of the ABC Warriors. She's got a that gun in her face. over there. Yeah. Her name is Morrigan. Like, not like Morrigan, but no. G-U-N. I have and more she guns is in my a face. Bass. You got guns in her face and elsewhere. Next oh. time on ABC Warriors, Fox, seven heads for Hikate. It's real good. Yeah, we're very much settling into what we had in uh, in in Black Hole as well, which is that ABC Warriors really reminds me of a D and D campaign yep. where one person is really dedicated to playing a traditional Ugh. lawful good high and mighty paladin, and everybody else. Everybody else's only goal is to just mess with that person and like do. 
evil shit on the side and exasperate like their role playing attempts. Basically, I, I mean, it it just uh, so yes, that is absolutely. I'm true. not saying that as a bad thing because it's kind of it, it is fun to read and stuff, but it is just funny how much basically all of the all their story seems built to basically troll Hammerstein. <laughs> Which and like he's I don't know I don't hate Hammerstein. I like Hammerstein for the most part. He's really rad. Yeah, I like Hammerstein too, which is why I like. I feel like I can't get kind of bummed out by this story a little yeah. bit. I did in um, in Black Hole, and I do now. Like, I think I can't tell it how much we're supposed to actually be sympathizing with Hammerstein. I'd love yeah. for other people to weigh in on this. Actually, like, do you think like I find Hammerstein to be very sympathetic? Yeah. As deadlock is sort of just seems to be being constantly a huge pulling, douche yeah is being pretty evil and mean and a jerk and stuff and empowering the worst um impulses in all of hammerstein's comrades but i feel like on the, the other whole hand point I feel, of him being there is to like balance that shit out in my mind yeah, and but I feel like Pat Mills thinks Hammerstein's a stick. Like it really likes Deadlock and agrees that Hammerstein's a stick in the mud and likes making him feel uncomfortable or something like that. Yeah. It's a weird dynamic, I guess, between character and writer. So I'm I'm interested to hear what what, what I, folks think I about think this. That, in, I think that themselves. your table tension um, example actually really works here because that that's that's a true thing that happens and it's what I'm kind of yeah scoping like, out like here. it feels like everyone's trolling Hammerstein but they're all all just the same they're all written by the same guy so i don't yeah so like why why is this a thing why is this like a uh or by the by the same two guys because it's pat mills and tony skinner for the record um yeah anyway i am excited for um i am excited for this story i really like this artist kev walker he's drawn a bunch of magic cards and done some stuff in the past cool and he's really gonna do a bunch of abc warrior stuff here as well so very excited for that right and let's finish things up, Fox. Oh, fucking thank God. I'm, With. I'm, I'm hands yeah. off. Here we go. Thrill 10, Future Shocks. <laughs> Story one, Blink of an Eye. Script yeah. robot, Mark Eels. Letting robot, Carl, Carl Critchlow. Letting robot, Annie Parkhouse. First time in the prog for Mark E. Um, yeah, E-Y-L-E-S, Eels, I guess. And this one yeah. self-identifies as a time twister. The fizz bucket people <laughs> evolved over the course of a weekend, and they lived their lives a thousand times the pace of other races. By the end of the week, they developed interstellar travel and the tourism that comes with it. Since they move so fast, when they arrive on Earth, the entire place is, is, is frozen to a standstill. So there's no objections when one uses a beam to steal the Eiffel Tower. They dance around on the, st- on the sinky ground of the water in a fountain and prepare to head home. But they realize that when they stole the Eiffel Tower with that beam, people on the Eiffel Tower are sort of stranded, you know, in the air, sort of slowly falling to their deaths, but not realizing it. Uh. So instead, the aliens grab those people as well and just, you know, toss them in their gardens for decorations. And there's a moment as the tourists, I guess, as this world blurs around them, they just stand and look and like, dear, I believe I'm having some kind of strange dream. Yeah, I think it's pretty cool. I don't know. I like this. Story. It's fine. Like uh, we've we've had the whole like uh, uh, humans are pets sort of thing, right? Yeah, and I f- and and I do like like I've seen a lot of things actually where um, things freeze in time because someone's moving very fast. 
Like there was a there was a story where this guy was being experimented on, and they did that, and he found that he was frozen. That the world was he was moving incredibly fast, and so he spent like sixty years in the space of a sentence. Like he traveled the world, he walked across the ocean, things like that. I don't know. I thought that was an interesting. Well, I mean, you've you've situation. heard. Or, or, have you ever seen the movie Fantastic Planet or La Planète? Uh, have you ever seen the movie Fantastic Planet? Um, I don't think I have. I know, like, it, that's a cartoon movie, right? I, yeah, I, I haven't seen it. I, so I actually very much suggest it. It is f- fucked up uh, in mm-hmm. so many ways. But you know, like, uh, like part of part of the main story is, you know, these aliens who are, you know, five million times larger than us. Like they they uh-huh. come to Earth and they they kind of pick up some humans. And they treat them as pets, and you kind of see their world. And it, 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 there's a bunch of really interesting shit that happens, but that's one of the main premises, like bringing humans back to the world. I, I think you'd actually really ah. enjoy it. It's a very, yeah. it's a very interesting film to. that is cerebral without saying much, because there are mm, conversations that happen, but it's a lot of you just observing how life on this different place would would happen and and what bringing a human there as a pet would entail it's a very interesting, interesting yeah. thing cool all right so let's continue on with the question which is a tharg the mighty strip uh art art robot eric bradbury letting robot tom frame a no good kid fox sneaks uh. into the 2080 command module as the uh. droids are hard at work putting together prog 750 why didn't he the- melt <laughs> This also has the Igroid droid making a veiled reference to his own comic, The Clown, which will be coming, I think, in the 92. The kid asks the forbidden question, what's 2000 AD going to be called in the year 2000? Everyone gasps. Apparently, you can ask Thark anything but that, including when is Engram Part 2 going to come back? Um... But Tharg, shocked, snags Bert and tells him to answer the question, but then instead just sends him to Mechwake and the kid to the hospital. But that's off screen. <laughs> um, Tharg then go then takes a nap at his desk, and uh, the ca- the pages of a calendar fall away in from in front of him. Long he's awoken. Sleep. Yeah, he's awoken by the Audrey Wong droid Cybod, his admin robot, and we see that we're in the distant future. July 26th, 2050. She's got some questions about Prog 3750 that's about to come out. 3750. And Tharg wonders, uh, wanders around the nerve center of the future, passing an aging Igroid, wondering about the clown strip still. Yeah. As an old toothless Judge Dredd rattles around the city chasing perps. Elsewhere, Friday and Gaia have settled down and Rogue Trooper the Next Generation's about squabbling teens instead of blowing stuff up. Jesus. And we see an elderly slain, still killing dudes, kiss my bus pass. He's uh, got back spasms, not warp spasms. Jesus. <laughs> There's also jokes about OAP warriors, that's old age pension warriors, and the continuation of Engram still being outstanding. Wow. Tharg, um, Tharg then wakes up from this dream. And um, when Cybod also asks him the immortal, the um, you know, immortal question of what the comic's going to be called, Tharg then pulls Bert out of the fires of Mechquake and prepares a, a, and calls a gathering of the creative droids to address them and tell them what 2000 AD will be called in the year 2000. But Cybod cl- closes the door on us because it's for creative droids only to know. Good. Ask and ye shall be told. 
What, to shut up. What a great uh, use of some pages. Yeah, definitely. Anyway, name stays the same in the year 2000, I guess. It's getting weirder and weirder as the years uh. go by that this is a past comic instead of a future comic. Anyway, final story, Rocket Man. Script robot Andy McDermott, art robot Tim Boland, or Bollard, I should say, Tim Bollard. Lettering robot Andy Parkhouse. First and only appearance in the prog for Andy McDermott. First time for Tim Bollard. We'll go into a few more things. Yeah. Very they're, timely. They're burning up their, uh, they're, they're burning up. Uh, in space, something, something alone. I I know lyrics. Yep. Yeah, but not just Elton John, because this is timely because the movie The Rocketeer came out uh, in England in August of 1991, so just like a month or two ago. I love that film. It's fine. But so we see basically the initial, pl- or not, because uh, it was a Nazi jetpack, but still, we see a bearded German scientist has built a sweet jetpack and ray gun for an American soldier, which will allow him to destroy the Nazi war machine. The only problem is how this jetpack is launched, which is basically from a giant bottle, like a bottle rocket. I do like, well, so, I mean, I didn't know that this is how bottle rockets worked, but that makes sense. Also, I don't believe that Petey was a scientist. Who? I think Petey was just a dude who worked at the airport. Oh, you're, I mean, I think, I think that, like, while it's got a jetpack, I don't think it's a direct parody of the Rocketeer. Oh, okay. okay. I just think it's got a jetpack, and then they're playing off tropes of got the time. It. Like there's sort of you know uh, Bottle a blonde lady and, in the yeah. background who doesn't say anything and stuff. And then, yeah, then just you got a punchline of, oh, what if the Rocketeer was a bottle Rocketeer? That kind of thing. Got it. Anyway, Fox. Ugh. Big episode this time. Feels like two episodes crammed into one with the two sets of thrills we had. And thus, I, my question for you must be, what were your top and bottom thrills? Uh, I'm going to be a bit controversial this time, man. I'm I'm putting Daudamoto at the bottom. Mm-hmm. Um, like, especially with everything that's that's kind of been in the comic. Um, and you know that even even considering like Sam Slade and or whatever Robo Hunter and all that, <laughs> I like this was a very enjoyable read through for me, um, mm-hmm. and I felt like Taotomoto was the was the thing where I was like like this really like this this is how we're <laughs> we're gonna end this here okay that's fine like yeah. it, it was just super disappointing. Um, there's so much there that I think. It, like, because we we already talked about it a bunch, but I just think there's a lot of potential there for exploration that would be absolutely interesting in terms of like a, a you know just a character level of of exploration. Yeah. Um, in terms of top, Jesus, I'm I'm honestly gonna give it to Dread. Um, nice. I loved the fact that a man blew up a stage. And smashed a <laughs> bunch of people, and then their blood splatter just flew all over the crowd. And then Judge Dredd was like, yeah, but, like, did you do it really for anything? Because you didn't do anything. You're just going to jail now. Which is yeah. fucking mm, chef's kiss. Um, and, I, like, honestly, the the excitement that I have for the referendum... Like that, that seems like it, there is obviously something that's going to happen here and there will be some reverberations from it. And I really mm-hmm. hope that this is kind of this, I, I am, I am very excited. Repercussions. That, yeah. Yeah. Well, I'd like to see this kick off an epic because it's mm. been a minute. Um, even, even if I have to wait a little longer for it, like if this, 
and what happens to it like kind of kicks things off. If nothing happens, I will be slightly disappointed. But right now, I'm I'm very tentatively <laughs> excited, and I think that yeah, that, I mean, that matters a lot uh, in terms of the tension they're building. We've definitely got an epic sort of on the horizon at the start of a of a 1992. <sighs> But I don't want to. I don't want to say much more than that. I that's think. okay. Uh, I like. I like. I like being kept in the dark. Uh, everything else, by the way, fantastic. Uh, I. I don't think like even Universal Soldier. Uh, I'm eyeing you. Slice is over, so that's fine. <laughs> um, yeah, totally like, fair. Like things. Things are kind of ramping up in a in a in a so far good direction. Um, so I'm hopeful. Um, but yeah, like just in terms of disappointment, in terms of top, that's where I'd put it. And Conrad, mm. don't you just be asking me this stuff? This is a this is a, a prid pro quo uh, ergo proctor hoc situation. Yeah, two way street, buddy. Thank you. Yeah. So um, for me, hmm. I mean, oh yeah, I I will join you um, with uh, Daudamoto as my bottom thrill. Um, mm. I really feel like stuff was happening at the end that seems to come out of nowhere, I guess. Yeah, yeah. And then the change in the characterization, and then sort of the this unexplained change in characterization just makes it seem weird and kind of sinister. Yeah. As a, especially because there isn't really a sequel or, or something that's going to explain a lot of this stuff. Uh, it's just, just kind of a se- text block later, right, is what you said. Yeah. I mean, that you know, it's, it's, it's a text story. So it's a full it's a full narrative, I guess. But I haven't read it yet. And, um, you know, it's always bad when you when we've got text stories instead of comics, you know. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and just generally, like, I kind of, um, yeah, it's just weird. Like, I just don't, I don't buy or like the uh, Dow and Sopka and, and Sopalco suddenly falling in love. That just, just doesn't it, make sense to me. Yeah, no, it just really feel it's, it's so far afield. And like, like they it, didn't, they didn't have, especially at the beginning, not that I saw, they didn't have some kind of like previous no, just rapport. A, just a business relationship. Yeah. And like, I do really like, a, like, I think, uh, again, I sort of said in my recap, but I feel like Lula's making some pretty solid points. Yeah. Just about this being a weird situation and like Dow acting really out of character and stuff like that. Like, I feel like she's saying real reasonable things and Dow's sort of just being really emotional about it and stuff. And I don't think that's cool, but I don't know. Anyway, yeah, so Dow's at my bottom for my top. Um, let me look back. Solidarity. You said dread. I don't think I'm going to say dread this Ooh. time. Ooh. I liked dread a lot. That's, but that's telling to me. It's fine. I think I might pick ABC Warriors this time. Actually. Oh God! I mean, someone just pooped all over. <laughs> like I was, I was, a, I was down on ABC Warriors when we talked about it a little bit. Yeah, but, but man. I love these characters. Yeah. I love this art. And I love that we're sort of in a spot that can just let Pat Mills be real weird with this <laughs> chaos planet and stuff like that. Like, that is... Let's roll over some Frodo's. Yeah. yeah. Like, just the fact that, like, we, we're in this, like, much more fantasy-esque setting. And it starts by Frodo's, by, by Pat Mills saying, hey... We're in kind of fantasy town. Let's start by killing some hobbits. <laughs> like, yeah, all right. Hey, sure, why not? You know, and as much as I, I again, I kind of make fun of um, of Deadlocks 
uh, uh, teenage anarchist at the mall kind of uh, religion. I do also think it's kind of cool. I like some of these blood, blood sacrifice and stuff. Like as much as I make fun of it, I also think it's pretty fun. And so I'm excited to see um, this story continue and all this stuff. So yeah, so I'm gonna say ABC Warriors top. Dad, I mean Moto that's bottom. a beautiful idea. Good times. Yeah, good. And, I, and also I really <laughs> like just the, this new Morrigan character. Oh hell and, yeah, she hot. And it had some good um, Mechquake action as well. Oh, I mean, he's and a sorcerer so, now. We now know that yeah, it's canon. Exactly. So all this stuff really combines to make a, a, a story I'm interested in. All right. So I hope everybody enjoyed the show. As always, you can find Space Spinner 2000 on iTunes, Stitcher, the Google Play Store, Spotify, or our podcast site, spacespinner2000.com. Feel free to contact us at spacespinner2000 at gmail.com in the 2080 forums or on our Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter pages. On Twitter, we're at spacespinner2k. For everything else, go up spacespinner2000 and you'll find us there. This show is brought to you by Steve Green, Zane Kip Miller, and your friends the 2080 forums. If you'd like to join them and help support the show, we'd appreciate it. Check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash That's our podcast network. There you can support the show. Get a ton of excellent rewards, including advanced episodes, coverage of modern 2000 AD and the magazine, and even monthly Q&As with Fox and myself. Then come back, yeah, come back next time as the big vote takes place. Sam Slade goes from Snake Plissken to Elaine Ripley. Farrell meets some new friends. We'll get some backstory in Universal Soldiers and the ABC Warriors begin their new quest. Okay. And until then, I'm Conrad, he's Fox, and we are Space Spinner 2000. Splendid. Splendid. Splendid.